1: transformations with your host Sylvia Henderson and discover tools, wisdom and inspiration that will empower you to transform your life. Sylvia is an intuitive life coach and energy healer with a growing practice that is focused on empowering others to be more of who they want to be. For the next hour, join Sylvia and explore and unravel anything in the way of you creating the life that you would love to live on the OM Times Radio Network.
0: Well, hello and welcome to the Intuitive Transformations Radio Show, where you will find tools you can use to change and transform your life, Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern on the Ohm Times Radio Network, the voice of consciousness at OhmTimes.com. This is Sylvia Henderson your host, and yes, I am an intuitive life coach and an energy healer. If you would like to learn more about me and the work that I do, then please visit my website at intuitivetransformations.net. That's transformations with an s.net, and be sure to sign up for my newsletter and you'll receive a special gift from me to you. Again, that website is intuitivetransformations.net. Before we start the show, I just want to talk uh, to those of you who are registered voters in the United States. Um, Please do make it a point to call your US senators and congressional representatives, regardless of whether you actually voted for them or not. Ask them to stop the senseless, inhumane, and criminal treatment of immigrants being detained in the United States under Trump's Zero Tolerance Executive Order. Please take the time to have your voice heard. Let's not be complicit and ideally sit on the sidelines in a state of shock and horror because your voice matters, but only if you choose to use it. If you aren't sure who your U.S. Senators and Congressional Representatives are, then go to this website. It's www.whoismyrepresentative.com. That's whoismyrepresentative.com. All you have to do then is type in your zip code and find your elected official's name and their contact information. So please go do that today. And whether or not you are a registered um, voter in the United States, or even whether or not you live in the United States, I really want everyone listening to not to give up hope, to stay encouraged. I know that right now we appear to be at our very worst as a country, but let's all set an intention for massive healing of consciousness in the United States and begin to envision that all of the hate and fear be replaced by unconditional love. Even right now in this very moment, just think that thought with me because whatever you focus upon, it actually expands. It's a universal law. So let's all with our mind's eye, imagine the United States being enveloped in healing white light and transformed with unconditional love and a way that allows true change and transformation to happen. I hope that you will do that with me in your very own way. So today we are going to talk about manifestation and how you can bring the dreams of your imagination into your physical reality. We're going to look at the new thought metaphysical teachings of Neville Goddard. Joining us on the show is Katherine Jagaday. She is quite the Neville Goddard scholar, and she's here with us to share from her wealth of knowledge, what she has learned from her studies of his teachings. Now, before I bring her on, let me tell you a little bit about her. Catherine Jagaday is a British television presenter and author with a background in science. She was first introduced to metaphysics as a teenager by her mother, a former yoga teacher and education specialist. As a result, Kate, as she likes to be called, developed a penetrating and enduring fondness for the self-empowering teachings of Neville Goddard, and she remains just as steadfastly devoted to spreading his message today. After completing her postgraduate research at Oxford, Kate moved to Switzerland to work at the World Health Organization, where she developed educational resources for rural communities in sub-Saharan Africa. In addition to her academic science career, Kate has worked with the BBC Science Unit and BBC Radio Oxford, and she served as news editor of the international journal, Africa Health, for whom she conducted research trips and assisted in the establishment of a learning resources and study center at one of Nigeria's forefront teaching hospitals. Kate has been published in the internationally acclaimed science journal, Nature. She has also presented two science series aimed at young adults for Channel 4 in the UK, earning a BAFTA nomination. She is also the author of Infinite Possibility, How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want, which was published just this month by Tarsha Perigree and she is joining us today from the comfort of her home in London. Kate, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Sylvia. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Well, I'm really excited to talk about this because I have always been a very um, uh, aware teacher on the importance of what you focus on expands and that we create our own reality. So let's first talk about metaphysics because there are those who are listening that may not be familiar with this term so would you mind sharing um, your definition of metaphysics and what it is and why they may find the practice of it to be very important for them
2: okay so metaphysics if we um, translate that almost literally it's beyond physics or beyond the laws of science that govern the human experience. So if we think about the laws associated with biology, chemistry, physics and mathematics, these are the proven theories, if you like, of physical reality that we've all come to rely on so heavily and there is not an aspect of our lived experience that isn't touched by one of these areas of science. So going beyond that, we're saying, well then, if we think that the most fundamental units of life are subatomic particles and their components, where do those things themselves come from? And so metaphysics deals with all of the laws um, of that invisible world, if you like, or the laws of creation, the laws from which everything originates. And it's not the theory of evolution, per se, it's much more fundamental than that. So in a nutshell, metaphysics is the 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 theoretical principles of all of existence, that which you can see and and the things that are known to you and the things you cannot see and are unknown to you. And it's important to get an understanding of uh, those laws and how they operate in our individual lives.
0: So what are some of those laws? Um, I know people um, can sometimes confuse law of attraction with metaphysics which you just said metaphysics is a list of laws it's, it's not just one so would you mind sharing just a couple of those laws that you think people might find relatable
2: okay so we have one of the laws of metaphysics is called the law of reversibility and what that law uh, suggests is that um, uh, two things are, are interchangeable so if, if one uh, effect causes um, a physical uh, response If A causes B, then B can cause A. So what it says then, how you use that as a practitioner of metaphysics is to say that if the ownership of a physical object, if you like, produces a feeling in you, without having that thing, you can bring it into your world by evoking within yourself that feeling. It also deals with the laws of causation, the laws by which things become reality in the first place. And what that is uh, posited by is this idea that there is a single source of creation that is formless and all that it requires is a vessel to move through to give shape and identity to the things that we want. And that is what we call the law of imagination. So those are just two uh, fundamental laws, but probably the laws that people will first encounter when they come to metaphysics, the law of causation and the law of reversibility or reverse transformation.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I have another question for you. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a group of teachers that people typically categorize as new thought teachers. And Neville falls into that for some people as well. Is there a difference between a new thought teacher and a metaphysical teacher?
2: That's a really good question. I think Neville himself didn't consider himself a New Thought teacher, even though he accepted that people categorized him in that way. I think what happens with uh, New Thought is that there are some very fixed ideas associated with it. And one of those ideas is that we are all going to be able to make the world a wonderful place. What Neville's metaphysics taught was that the change has to happen in individuals, that the world is a schoolroom and that we are not here to change the world, but the world changes us. And through the challenges that we encounter day to day, we make discoveries about the limits of our capabilities or the limitlessness of our capabilities as creative beings. Another thing um, associated with, with new thought is this idea of the law of attraction that you mentioned before, Sylvia. But what that requires is that something has to be in a static condition and things that perhaps what one desires are moving toward us. But what Neville teaches in in his work is that we have to get into the consciousness or the beingness of the thing we desire rather than imagining that we can be conscious of being one thing and bring something else into our world. And this is what people try to do and find that Um, manifesting, as people call it, doesn't really work for them. So Neville says, if you are conscious of being poor, but you're trying to express wealth, that's actually an exercise in futility. So he teaches people that Wealth has its natural life in a particular state of consciousness, and what we should be doing as individuals is trying to achieve or affect within ourselves a psychological transformation rather than to try and bring the things we want into our worlds. Another thing he says is to stop policing what other people do. Often we think an end to our suffering comes if we can get other people to behave in the way that we want them to behave, but what he says is that you only view others the way you do because of your own consciousness of awareness. Mm. So I think it's very uh, distinctly different, and it's an important difference.
0: So let's talk a little bit about consciousness, because there's our conscious awareness that we're all aware of, and then we have this subconscious memory bank that has a Mm -hmm. lot more content and information that we're not aware of. And so these are the beliefs that we have and we hold that we may not be aware of, but they're driving our choices, our reactions, our responses, and what we tend to be driven to focus upon. Does he really dive deep into how to, you know, the distinction between the two or does he address that at all?
2: Yes. I mean, there's a wonderful lecture online. It's free to read. It's called The Duality of Man, and that deals with the two distinct natures of every human being. So we're born into the world and we assume these physical garments that we know each other by. So if I see you and I know you, I know you're Sylvia, you know, I'm Kate Kate and so on because of our outward appearances. But what he says is this subconscious, as psychologists refer to it, Neville says is in fact the identity of our authentic being which doesn't differ in operation or substance to the creator or this source of creation and all that is it is just individualized and expressed as individual identities. But um, as we begin to establish a connection between our humanity and this divine being, then we begin to understand what consciousness is. So consciousness is the identity of the source of creation, our individualized version of that. And so we are able to re-establish that connection. And remember, you talk about this being a memory bank. That's a really good uh, analogy, or way of, of describing it. What we're talking about is that our authentic identities have been forgotten by us, but they can be remembered by us as we begin to engage the laws of imagination or the laws of metaphysics, as Neville taught them.
0: I love that. That's very encouraging there because that's where we get <laughs> stuck—is that subconscious mind. You know, it trips us up, and it, and um, conventional methodologies have not been very successful in in shifting that um, that content into a more positive, um, you know, more self-supportive manner. Um, so let's talk about Neville Goddard, the person. Who was he? And How did he come to connect on such a level that he was able to amass the wisdom and knowledge that he did, that he wrote about and that he shared with others through his lectures?
2: So Neville is my absolute favorite topic. He was born on the island of Barbados in 1905 to a very large English family, but they weren't the typical uh, colonial wealthy family. They were a family of very, uh, much more modest means. So it was nine boys and one girl. And uh, Neville, as a young man, left the island of Barbados. He was a teenager and he traveled to New York City to pursue a career on stage. And although he had some success in his career, It didn't satisfy this hunger that had been with him since childhood. He, in fact, later refers to the fact that he was spoken to by a prophet around the age of seven or eight, and that prophet told him that he was going to do the work that he went on to do in the world. So as a young man, having been on the stage for some time and had sort of menial, not menial jobs, but sort of nominal jobs here and there, not very uh, hugely successful jobs, he met an Ethiopian rabbi by the name of Abdullah, and together they studied for five years, they studied Kabbalah, they studied the Bible and esoteric mysticism, as he calls it. And from that study, his ministry was birthed, but what Neville says was that his ministry is rooted and steeped in personal experience. And when he met Abdullah, he wasn't sure of what to make of it, but he received it, he engaged it, and he literally just used the techniques of the law of imagination that Abdullah gave to him. And as a result of doing that, he began to have these profound spiritual experiences, and he it led him to receive revelation about how to interpret the Bible which went um, against a lot of the traditional teachings. In fact, he was called an heretic and the mad mystic of, um, I think it was Madison Square Garden or something like that. He had a, those kinds of nicknames because he challenged what a lot of ministers were saying about the Bible, but it was all based on experience. And the thing that was fascinating about Neville was that people who followed what he taught were getting the results he described. And that in itself was its own verification. He didn't need that sort of formal training or recognition from associations or organizations. He just told the people the truth as he understood it and they followed what he said and got the results he promised they would get.
0: Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you, because you really have increased my knowledge base now of Neville Cotter. (laughs) And I have a, a, you know, even more enhanced appreciation for his teachings. You know, as I shared with you before the show started, I have a number of his books, his physical books, as well as a number of his books on my Kindle. And I just so enjoy reading his teachings because they are profound and they're, and some of them are quite unconventional. Um, so we're going into a break. And when we return, everyone, we'll be continuing this discussion with Catherine Juggaday. And we're talking about Neville Goddard in her new book, Infinite Possibility. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned for more.
1: The future of the Internet Radio is here. Own Times Radio. IOM FM
0: Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free. AscendingHearts.com
2: Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of Om Times Magazine's flagship radio show, What is Going On? My passion is sifting through information, research, and innovations from new thought teachers, speakers, and researchers, pushing back the boundaries of what we know about life, energy, metaphysics, and the universe. I love shifting perceptions about who we are, why we're here, and how quickly impossible becomes normal – when we open our minds, expand our awareness, and accept that the only limits that exist are those we place upon ourselves. So if you're the kind of forward-thinking, eager investigator of what lies beyond the current reality that most perceive, why not make a date to come play with me in the Field of Possibilities at 4pm Pacific Time, 7pm Eastern Time every Thursday, and together we can discover what's really
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Sylvia Henderson on the Intuitive Transformations radio show on OhmTimes.com. And today our guest is Catherine Jagaday, and she is the author of Infinite Possibility, How to Use the Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. And um, Catherine, would you mind sharing your own personal story about how you were introduced to metaphysics? Because... Um, you know, this all began in your teenage years, um, that your mother shared this information. And I'm just wondering, has it always been a positive relationship?
2: Okay. So it actually started much younger. I know that, um, That's the information that's out there that it started when I was a teenager, but my mum actually used to read to us um, from New Thought authors when we were very young children. I remember sort of five to six years old hearing these stories from people that I I didn't understand what was going on, but I loved the ideas. When I was a teenager, she introduced me to Neville and gave me a copy of his book, Five Lessons, and I was going through... um, a difficult time, I would say, with my traditional religious upbringing. So I, I didn't enjoy church. I didn't enjoy um, what I was hearing, and I felt there was more to it. So I embraced Neville's teachings. I literally consumed everything he had written, and I love that book, Five, De- Five Lessons. and um, So that's where it really began. What I did was I just decided to try what he said. I read it, I didn't understand it, I read it a few times, but I just gave the the techniques that he described a try and I found that I was feeling differently, that my perspective on life um, was changing quite profoundly. I was a young person who, like a lot of young people, suffered with anxiety, but that disappeared. I suddenly felt myself to be a very confident person. I also noticed That um, my relationships with other people shifted to from a place of me being concerned about what people felt about me to whoever I was. Whoever I showed up as on the day was the person that got responded to, and I found that I was able to control my experience with, the, with other people very, very quickly. Now, it was, it's an interesting question you asked, Sylvia, was it always positive? No, it wasn't, because I got to a point where I felt I knew everything, and I was really good with this, and I was using Neville's tech levels, techniques, and getting results, and then one day something really terrible happened to me, and I got very, very confused about that, because I thought the idea was that whatever it is you were thinking was what showed up in your life. I wasn't really um, concentrating, if you like, on the aspect of things that you have planted in the past showing up to to grab you when you least expect it, or even things showing up that have nothing to do with you per se, but... uh, things that have been set up as an obstacle for you to overcome and learn and grow from. So what I did when things went a bit wrong was to go back over everything that I thought I knew, and ultimately it actually enabled me to be doing the work that I'm doing today because I studied Neville's work in a way I hadn't done before. I went over his teachings with a fine-tooth comb. I experimented with his ideas, tweaking it to suit my own personality and all of that, and I really got into it in a very, very deep way and started to have some of the experiences that he himself had recorded. So I feel quite good about the fact that I am a contemporary witness of the spiritual uh, experiences that he has documented.
0: Well, that's really lovely that you shared that. I really like how you uh, pointed out that there are things that have been kind of set in motion from the past. And Mm -hmm. how, you know, how do you discern, you know, or is it even necessary to, but how, Because I think this is what trips a lot of people up or what causes them to give up their practice is um, being very confused by what is actually happening in their external reality. And, um, you know, because sometimes it is something that was set in process. Um, long ago before you started setting more positive intentions or focusing your imagination in a more constructive manner, you know, or sometimes they're just obstacles to help you grow and learn more about yourself. And so what is there anything you can um, suggest to those who are listening that they can implement within their lives when those things happen so they don't get discouraged and just simply give up?
2: Absolutely. So what I encourage people to do is always check in with yourself. Do it every now and then. It's not something that you need to do every single day. But when you find yourself going through the same sorts of um, experiences, let's say they are challenging or traumatic experiences, that's a perfect opportunity for you to check in on yourself and to see whether there has been any growth in your life. If you feel that you've made progress, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've been promoted at work or something has happened in your in a relationship or your business is doing well. It's just a feeling of every day having something new to offer you rather than it being sort of the same old, same old, or you're kind of just numb to life and you're going through the motions. What Neville says is that what the, the Bible says um, tells us, and that he doesn't use the Bible in a religious sense, so people shouldn't be off-put if they're sort of not inclined or not interested in religion. He says that the Bible says that we are taken a little closer to the fire whenever, it, whenever it's necessary for us to make to make movement. We cannot move without friction. And so what's happening is that something is showing up to shift something in you. That's all it's doing. So the world, the physical world, exists outside of us. It is our experiences of the world that are important. We're not here to change the world. As I said before, the world changes us. It helps us to move. And so if you... um, have not moved or you've not learned something or discovered something, if you don't know how strong you are and and you're at the point of your life where you need to discover your strengths, if you don't know about your capacity to love or forgive, then those challenges are going to show up. I always say to people, think of the world as a schoolroom and recast yourself in the role of a student. And you have a course, you have course requirements and you have to meet them. Don't take it as something personal or that something is out to get you. Just recognize it as this is another course element that I have to pass before I can move on. Now the thing that happens, and I'm sorry to go on, but the thing that happens inevitably is that as a result of overcoming that particular thing, you will make a discovery that is unique to you and something else is going to show up that enables you to use that new gift or skill or whatever it is. So just embrace everything as it happens. Don't be discouraged, just know that there's something better on the other side of it.
0: I love that, I love that, you know, and and as you said, you know, yes, he does reference the Bible, but he really thought of the Bible more metaphorically than, than uh, literally.
2: Absolutely, he said it was an allegorical document, it was a story of the evolution of the psyche of man. And it's not a religious document. It hasn't been translated right or disseminated correctly by clergy and people who are involved in religion on a professional, academic, or theological basis. It's absolutely a a handbook, if you like, a guidebook. Once you know how to read it, I think one of the greatest discoveries for me was learning how to read it. Once you learn how to read the Bible and understand what it's really about, it's one of the most pleasurable documents you'll ever read. I say that hand on (laughs) heart.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting your choice of words the most pleasurable because quite often when people read the Bible, it's coming, you know, it stirs up a lot of guilt and a lot of self judgment and um, self degradation versus, you know, really, like, how can you know, giving getting the information, gleaning the wisdom from it, so that you can actually utilize that to change your life. And, Um, He's just really interesting. I love how he even went so far off the ledge as to say that our imagination is God.
2: Absolutely. And this is what we're talking about. We've been taught that the the imagination or the human imagination is a faculty of the the mind that enables us to perceive things that aren't physically real. But what Neville is saying is that the imagination is in fact that creative source that I was talking about at the beginning of the interview. There's a source from which even subatomic particles emerge. And that is what your imagination is. It is the creator. I just wanted to slip something in, uh, Sylvia, about the Bible, (laughs) if I may. Um, Mm -hmm, People should never feel bad when they read the Bible. It is not about judgment at all. It's just reference and context. And you have to understand that the Bible is speaking about everybody that exists. So not everything in the Bible is going to refer to you at a given time. So that's something that's important to remember. Never feel bad. If you're reading the Bible and you have a heavy feeling, then that portion that you're reading is in dissonance with who you presently are. So that's not Mm -hmm. for you the parts of it that make you feel good, that's the bit that has something for you at that moment.
0: I agree. I agree. So let's dig down a little bit deeper into our imagination because... I tell you, it's something that can have a mind of its own (laughs) because so many people and I don't know what it's like um, growing up in the UK, but I know growing up in the US, especially now, worry is kind of the theme energetically of the day here. Um, And so people just um, I don't know. It's really interesting. It's like if the mind can't um, know the outcome, it will create It will imagine a story and create an outcome. And it's kind of almost like it has to know in order to feel safe. So how do we use our imagination in spite of this kind of egoic survival mechanism within within us that feels that we have to be able to know our surrounding, our environment is safe, is safe, that we are safe, that causes us to then Think that there's a bear behind every tree ready to grab us. You know, how can we, in this t- day and age when we're so bombarded with so much information coming to us from all different um, media sources um, that's causing people to go into a chronic state of fight and flight, begin to use our imagination to break free of that?
2: Okay, so I heard someone say once that there is no energetic difference between fear and excitement. And that's a really interesting concept to investigate, I think, I would encourage anybody to do that. For me personally, on the outside, I would say if you are an American, this is the time to celebrate. You are going to make some incredible discoveries and this is not the time to be afraid. But what you're going to do is use this fear and convert it into Mm -hmm. energy use it as friction in the physical sense in the scientific physical sense friction creates movement what you're going to do the friction you're going to use is or the resistance you're going to use is disciplining yourself not to be afraid despite appearances I don't think any nation well I don't want to say that Um, I think Americans are uniquely placed at this moment, yeah I prefer, I'll put it that way, (laughs) uniquely placed at this moment to use this very traumatic or charged experience that you are going through as a nation to teach yourself discipline and what you're going to do is contact the feeling of the opposite whenever something makes you feel afraid. You're going to contact the solution to that fear in your imagination. You can do that simply by asking questions of yourself. These aren't questions that you repeat. They're questions you ask mentally and just wait and feel after the answer. You want to ask questions such as, if this such and such weren't happening, how would I feel? Or if these children weren't being separated from their parents how would I feel or whatever it is that's causing people distress or concern at this time you want to ask yourself questions like am I really God is it really true you are addressing your imagination this requires a lot of energy a lot of attention and a lot of focus but what it does is is establishing a very powerful connection between the subconscious or your authentic source being and your humanity once that connection is open you will open the floodgates to inspiration and ideas for solving what's going on in your nation are going to start coming to people they just need to have the courage to do that this is a time to do that this is not an opportunity to be missed
0: you know and and you really hit the nail on the head because when you are in fear you know all of your energy contracts even the muscles in your body contract it's almost impossible to receive inspiration because you've shut down everything within you to receive anything because you're bracing for an imagined experience that has caused everything to go into high alert there's an emergency here. And so being able to shift that awareness, it changes everything. So do you, you know, I know you have, offer a lot of exercises within your book. And so I'm just wondering, is there a simple exercise that those who are listening can implement that will help to shift them or at least move them in the, you know, um, uh, away from their fear, just kind of redirecting their, their focus.
2: Yeah, I think one of one that's going to be very useful, particularly for people who aren't familiar with this work, is in the chapter, Believing the Unbelievable, but I would just describe it for your listeners now. What you want to do as you're going to sleep is to try to assume or to contact a particular mood, and that is the mood of peace or calm. What happens when we sleep in a particular state of consciousness, we're going to find that the day, the next day, starts to play out or to confirm to us everything that we're afraid of or concerned about. So as you're going to sleep there's nothing you can do anyway when you're sleeping. You're not going to be able to do anything about what's going on in the world. You're going to be thinking about something as you're going to sleep so why not think about being calm and being at peace and then begin to notice how that shows up in your world the next day, how that is confirmed in what happens to you even in how you view the news or how you speak to other people or what's happening around you. Just try that for a few nights and what you're doing even in that very simple way is establishing that important connection that I've been talking about. You want to go to bed and just Make yourself happy as you sleep and fall asleep happy, fall asleep calm. Whatever it is, just remind yourself that there's nothing you're going to be able to do about what's going on in the world while you're asleep. If you sleep in a particular mood, it will confirm itself in some way the next day and use that to move forward.
0: Thank you for that. I really do appreciate that instruction. That's great. So those of you listening, please take that to heart. And, and you know, it will only benefit your life to go to sleep with a positive thought and focus, definitely. So one of the other things you point out in the book is the connection between physical ailments and the human psyche. And um, science is even proving that, you know, um, with the placebo effect, you know, that we are how Powerful our mind is in our physical health, but you know when people have been in a long-term situation That's a chronic pain scenario It can be more challenging for them to be encouraged and I'm just you know Is there something within your the book that you've written so far um, that would be able to help them?
2: Yes, I I do say um, when it comes to health I think one of the things that people must understand is that there is no disconnect between creation as we're describing it, the law of imagination and all of that, and the doctors that are in the world that support our physical bodies. So I think the thing that's very, very important, and I don't offer this as a disclaimer, I say, if you are receiving medical assistance from a professional, then please keep up with that because that will support you as you do what I'm about to describe to you. So what I'm saying is that Instead of resisting the pain or the discomfort, use that as an entry point into your subconscious. And what you want to do is to just acknowledge the pain and become one with it. So very often pain is worsened or intensified when we're trying to will it away or trying to stop it from happening. Just relax into it, even if it's taking
0: over your whole body. No, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I just want you to finish that sentence. But you know what? We're going to go into a commercial break when we return. I will let you finish that sentence. (laughs) We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned for more.
1: (laughs) The Cutting Edge of Conscious Radio. Home Times Radio. IOM FM. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Om Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Om Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our
0: extensive,
1: dedicated community.
0: Hello, I'm Lisa Barry. Join me every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for Light on Living, a chance to see new. Hear different and feel more as i shine the spotlight on all the ways to lighten the load of life's challenges light on living is your link to that new way you're looking for that new understanding that will enhance your life and that positive connection that will support your growth so join me and you'll gain insight and start to see things in a new way that motivates
1: you hey let me ask you something would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill Would you seat them beside a lit fireplace or by the deep end of a pool? One last question. Would you seat your child in a car seat that's not correct for them? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back, everyone. This is Sylvia Henderson. You're listening to the Intuitive Transformations radio show, and we're speaking with Catherine Jagaday, author of Infinite Possibility. And, Kate, before we went into the break, um, you were just about to complete your sentence, and I know you were talking about not resisting the pain. Um, and So what were you going to say before the uh, commercial started?
2: Yeah, so um, pain is a, a distortion of of being at ease or not of not having pain. And what I would say is that it's to remind people that it is the same substance at work, it's just distorted. So what you want to do is to become one with that pain by accepting it, by appreciating it, and then begin to feel after health. What Often happens is that people prolong or intensify their suffering by trying to stop it. You're not going to stop it, you're going to take a position of non-resistance and start to feel through the pain, I am healthy and that the reverse of this is true. So even if a sickness ultimately ends a person's life they can still go through this process. I'm not saying that in every case that um, people are gonna fully recover as it were. Our bodies, we all leave our, our bodies at some time, but you can still go continue your process of learning even in something like sickness. But if it's not a sickness that's going to take your life, you're just in discomfort, what you want to do is start to contact the feeling of health. You want to stop wanting to be free of the pain and just accept it and use that to enter your subconscious where you can then feel after the opposite or the solution to that situation,
0: and you know, I always tell people what you resist persists. You know, or as they used to say on the old Star Trek episodes, um, you know, with the board, resistance is futile <laughs> because you, <laughs> because there is Absolutely. something <laughs> about acceptance and allowing. That changes everything because it's almost like you're at war with something when you resist it, and the easiest what I always tell people the best way to win at tug of war is to let go of your end of the rope and stop fighting it, and and you'd be surprised how quickly things change. Um, Absolutely. Now I was surprised by one of the chapters in your book and where you talk about sexual energy, and I thought, ooh, spicy, you know. (laughs) Why, you know, why is that important as a consideration in regards to um, metaphysics?
2: Okay, so if you think about uh, creative energy, it is the bringing forth of something. So we can think of our manifestations, if you like, as our children, and children are produced as a result of a very well-known generative act, physical act that takes place. It is that same energy. Neville talks about us imbuing the desire with life, giving life to it in a way that a man would give life a woman's egg and a child is conceived and born, this is the same spiritual process that's going on. I think if we think about ourselves as expressing or birthing our manifestations in that way, it becomes a lot easier to manifest, believe it or not, because what you're doing is that you are giving consent to this energy to pass through you. And in a way we don't know, I certainly don't attempt to explain it. We give physical form to the things that we are conscious of consciously aware of the things that we are feeling to be true we're giving consent to the reality of that feeling
0: so thank you for for sharing that because i was like oh that i've not seen that in a (laughs) (laughs) in a book that wasn't specifically about that topic before (laughs) yeah But no, it makes absolute perfect sense. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, where you already brought up briefly, uh, you touched on obstacles and, you know, and how we are in a schoolroom and we are learning our lessons. And so um, if someone is like just stuck and they're not able, they're doing the exercises, but they're not seeing any movement you know, obviously there are some obstacles there. What would one do? I mean, if they felt blocked, if they felt like, for some reason, I'm doing these exercises, I know I'm following them, I'm reading, I'm, I'm really focusing on um, renewing my mind, changing my thoughts, you know, being mindful of my imagination. You know, how can someone move through their life and really practice um, metaphysics and feel successful at it if they feel that they're being blocked quite a bit.
2: Okay, so that's really important. It's what we're consciously aware of. So you're describing what happens a lot of the time to people. I get many questions when people write to me on Facebook and say, look, I'm doing this, it's not working. I always go back to them and I say, what is the attitude you're in when you're praying? So if you, when I say praying, I mean metaphysical prayer, which is, Um, akin to meditation, if you like, but operates in a slightly different way. I think if you go into the silence, as Neville describes it, you shut out the physical world and you're sat down ready to try and contact the feeling of possession, if your attitude is, I really want something to happen at the end of this uh, process that I'm going through, then you're not in the right attitude to have a successful outcome. What you need to do at the point your eyes close and you shut out the physical evidence around you that's telling you, no, this thing is not yours. You ready, you already need to, excuse me, you will have already needed to have contacted the feeling of possession. It's very important that people understand that this is not about getting something that you really want. It's about giving consent to something that you already have. And what you need to do is, as Neville says, play the game of supposing before you attempt the exercises. Just spend your day thinking about what your life would be like, starting to feel yourself into what your life is like now that you have that thing. Try to actually assume the, the feeling that this is actually possible for you. It cannot be a process of what something you're trying to do. It's something you're saying yes to, that you're accepting that it is already a reality for you. Wow, that just so gave I me... Would say,
0: yeah. Go ahead. Yes, I'm sorry. I didn't yes, mean to yes, interrupt.
2: Actually, <laughs> that's fine. It's, it's a question of be clear about... Whether you are saying I really want this thing or yes, I have this thing. If you're saying you want it, you're confessing you don't have it, and it can't show up for you. That's what I'm
0: saying. That's a beautiful distinction, and I love how you said you're giving your consent to something you already have. That is really key for people to get and understand. It's not that you don't have it; it's that for whatever reason you're not allowing the receivement of it. Is that true?
2: Absolutely, it's just a question of being able to to see something. And what happens is that uh, through the exercises, what I'm training people to discipline themselves to do, is to really find that there is no distinction between what you are imagining and what is physically real when it comes to the things we're trying to manifest in our life. Now, I've done it for such a long time, I have to be careful when I say to people, "Oh, how easy it is." I, I, don't, I, I do remember it being difficult in the beginning. But once you get into the habit of making sure that you're in the right frame of mind before you attempt uh, the exercises, you'll find that manifesta- manifesting is very, very easy. It's accepting, allowing this thing to show up because you have consented to it because you believe that it already, already is.
0: Thank you for that, I appreciate that. That is absolute true, it's a law, it's a universal law. Everything already exists. <laughs> it's just a matter of receiving it, yeah. And so, um, what is metanoia? I hope I said that so, correctly, because it was, it's such a different yeah. word.
2: <laughs> so, uh, metanoia, I mean, I, I wrote it, I think in a nutshell, it is a radical change of mind. It's that transformation that happens to everyone once they begin to live by imagination. So I'm not quoting from the book, I'm just trying to give it in in very broad or general terms. And it's the process that you go through when you are able to not turn your back on the laws of science that govern the physical world, but actually go beyond them and to have confidence in the law of imagination or the law of source creation. Once you are able to do that, you will find your perspective on the physical world around you changes, suddenly there are no barriers to you. There's nothing that you cannot do or achieve. You suddenly feel that there's nowhere you cannot go. There's there's nothing you can't be. You can be anything you want to be and so on and so forth. But it's a real transformation that takes place in people because there are people who really do not believe this to be true or possible for themselves. So you'll find that as you begin to experiment with the techniques and uh, exercises that Neville taught that I am teaching now um, or retelling, you will find yourself shifting in perspective. And that is what that process is.
0: So speaking of retelling, so you have these exercises in the book and what you've done is you've taken the ones that Neville has offered and you've modernized them and you've made them more contemporary so that they're more accessible for people. Um, And so what inspired you to do this?
2: I think um, when I first wrote the book, it was pretty much for me. I mean, I had so many notes. I have crates full of notes because I was such a a student. Uh, um, I studied it very, very seriously. But what I wanted was like a reference, if you like, a book that contained all of the techniques that I thought would provide sort of a complete learning or a complete study of his teachings, if you like. But I found that uh, sometimes Neville's writing required you to read it over and over again before you really got the essence of what he was trying to say. And that's stylistic and all of that. And some of it is a little bit heavily esoteric. So if somebody doesn't understand uh, uh, metaphysical terminology very well, I thought that it would be difficult for them to really grasp and understand what Neville was trying to say. And also because he's so unapologetically um, mystical in the way that he (laughs) says things, I didn't want that to be a barrier to anybody so anyone could come from anywhere I'm not asking anyone to give up their beliefs or put on new beliefs I'm just saying look here is the philosophy in its simplest form and here are the techniques that enable you to put that philosophy into practice because as Neville says if a philosophy has no practical application then it has no value so I just wanted everybody from anywhere no matter their starting point to be able to get to grips with this work to use it and to see it work in their life. I was really passionate about people being able to uh, use his techniques effectively. Another thing I'd say quickly, Sylvia, is that what I've done is included detail I think was missing sometimes in Neville's retelling of the technique. He he did it so often that sometimes he omitted details here and there and I wanted to make sure that all of those uh, bases were covered so that people reading it and doing it for the first time wouldn't have any uh, excuse for failure, if you like, or would be safeguarded against failure.
0: Wonderful. And I know you also have a public Facebook page. Is that correct? Where is that where you you kind of share um, more information or people can um, ask questions or how is that set up and how can people connect with that?
2: Yeah, so I don't have a a professional website, but I do use Facebook, facebook facebook.com forward slash Catherine Jagaday author, all one word, and I invite people to ask questions, I post uh, inspiration that I get, I try to keep people abreast of things like these talks that I'm doing, these conversations that I'm having, and also things that will be upcoming, so people can reach out to me there, but I think primarily... Um, I want people to ask me questions. I really want people to get this philosophy working in their lives. So I'm always happy to answer questions. And also, on occasion, I do treatments for people, but I'm not trying to do that so much now. It takes up a lot of my time and energy, but I am happy to answer questions. that if people feel they really can't move forward, I am happy to, do, um, to perform a metaphysical prayer for them.
0: So I was just about to ask you to explain that to the listeners, what a treatment is. Um, And so it's metaphysical prayer. And I know we've already talked very um, briefly about metaphysical prayer, but what is a metaphysical prayer for those who've never experienced it or have been exposed to it?
2: So uh, the simplest way to describe it is it's like a, a a specialized meditation. So you go into a meditative state. It's important that you are very, very relaxed. In closing your eyes you are symbolically shutting out the evidence of the physical world and what that evidence is is telling you that you don't have something you are not something you're not going to be something because you can't see it in your physical world right so when you close your eyes you are performing that ritual of saying I reject what is being told to me from the outside when you go in what you want to do is to connect through a mental repetition, it's a mantra, it's just I am, you don't qualify that statement, you just repeat quietly and calmly I am, and then you will feel yourself expand. Now, some people might find it very disconcerting or jarring, but I encourage you to persevere. When you feel yourself expanded in that state, I encourage people to start to play with or explore possibilities for themselves, things that go beyond what they presently are. And then once they are comfortable doing that, they want to feel after the feeling of being, doing, and having something specific. So if it's a job that you want, you want to feel how you would feel or contact the feeling that is associated with you having that job, for example. Now, I just want to quickly uh, mention here, Sylvia, when I'm talking about feeling a particular way, what I'm saying is that if I were to ask you what you did and you said, I'm a radio host, there would be a very specific feeling associated with that. Which would be different than if you answer the question about what you would like to be. That's the feeling that people often evoke when they are trying to meditate. They're thinking about what they would like. You want to feel about what has not yet come to to pass as you do about something that already Mm. is. It's a very Mm -hmm. specific thing. And I remain with that feeling until a very specific event happens. And then in a short time, whatever the person is looking for will show up in their world.
0: So just to clarify, I just want to make sure that everyone understands. So first, it's about being the feeling. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and then it is just as a mantra, um, out loud or to yourself, stating I am.
2: It's said inwardly. It's not something inwardly. to say outwardly. Yes. Mentally, And try not to move the muscles of your mouth or any of the muscles associated with speech. You want to re- repeat that mentally. It takes some practice, but you will be able to do it eventually. The so saying I am and just feeling after that awareness.
0: And I recall that exercise is in this book. Is that correct?
2: Yes, it is.
0: That's what I thought. Yeah. Wow, this has been such an amazing show, Kate. I am so appreciative of you spending your precious time with us. And just so everyone knows, um, the last name, her last name is spelled J-E-G-E-D-E. And you can go to facebook.com. If you're already on Facebook, then you just put Catherine Jagaday author in your search window. Is it kind of considered one word or is there space? Yes, in it be- is. Yeah, As one word and you'll be able to connect and join that Facebook group. I know I'm going to be there for sure. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you all are going to join us as well. And so, um, you know, Catherine, I just feel like you not only have a passion for Neville Goddard, you also seem to just really have a passion for humanity and i think that that's probably another reason that you wrote this book is so that you could help people and so what you know what is your ultimate desire with this book in terms of helping them <laughs> we have a few miss- seconds
2: who they are that's all i want for people to discover this for themselves their authentic creative being
0: Beautiful. I love that. So that you know who you are. So you really discover your creative self, your authentic self. Catherine Jagaday, thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us as well. And I hope and pray that you have a beautiful day and a beautiful week. And just know that you are lovable and you're loved. Until we meet again, take care. Goodbye for now.